What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Thursday evening slash Friday morning edition of the Boneyard. Went ahead and decided to record now. I got a big day in front of me tomorrow. Driving to uh, Frisco, Texas, me and the bride taking a trip out there to go cover the uh, Frisco College Baseball Classic. I'm ready to play baseball again. I am ready to play baseball again. Uh, if you've never been, I encourage you to go. If you're out there maybe looking for something to do this weekend, I mean, chances are you probably should have already made some plans. But uh, come out and join us. Last time we were there, Rafael Palmero threw out the first pitch. Yeah, maybe maybe Rafael will be there this time. That'd be cool. You guys get up there and get you a picture made with uh, one of the Bulldog greats, man. I know when uh, basically every time that we have played in the uh, state of Texas over the last few years, Rafael Palmero has been there. So you never know. I don't want to commit, Rafi. I didn't text him or anything. But uh, he may be there. But you should be there. I'm looking forward to it. We're going to talk about that later in the show. Of course, it's a busy week in Mississippi State Athletics. So we're going to recap a disappointing loss in the SEC Women's Basketball Tournament for the Lady Bulldogs. We're going to look ahead until this weekend's uh, Mississippi State and Vanderbilt uh, matchup in Nashville. That does not look to be the game it did a month ago. It didn't. They're playing better. Jerry Stackhouse has got Vanderbilt playing better. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. But uh, I firmly believe we're in the tournament now. You know, with a win this week, this weekend, I think you basically remove any, uh, you know, anxiety about next week. I don't think you have to go into next week and win a game. It wouldn't hurt you. I mean, the more you win, the better you feel. And that's the thing, too, is like we shouldn't be looking for the minimum standard. But uh, you and I both know, beginning of this year, we wanted the men to make the tournament, but nobody really expected that. The way it wouldn't have been fair with Chris Jans or the Brantley roster. Yet here we are. And again, I've said it countless times on the show. It speaks to the job that this team and this coaching staff have done that here we are, March the 2nd, projecting Mississippi State in the men's basketball tournament. And the same can be said for the women, even though I think that, you know, maybe the expectations, I think if we go back and listen to those shows, we thought the women had a better chance of making the tournament. And now here we are, both of them should make the tournament. It's exciting stuff, man. Because, I mean, if you're like me, it's like, I want us to be good at everything. I know we can't be great at everything, but I want to be good at everything. I want to have something to cheer for every single season. And we've had some good years in recent years, but the last couple, not so much, right? But after last year and how abysmal things were in many respects, you know, we had two coaching changes, a losing season in baseball. Yeah, 2022 was not a great sports year for Mississippi State. Had a winning season in football, but of course we lost a golden egg, lost a bowl game. So there wasn't as much to cheer about. This year there has been. And, I, and like all of you, I want to end up this school year, this athletic calendar, on a very positive note. Matter of fact, with four positive notes, I want softball to be back in the NCAA tournament. 
on baseball. I want all four of those teams. And of course, yeah, I want golf and everything else to be good too, even though I'm not emotionally invested in those sports. Anything that is associated with Mississippi State Athletics, I want it to be a positive. I don't want people to ever look at us and say, ah, you know, it's just Mississippi State. I want it to be a big deal to play and beat Mississippi State and be a big deal when you lose to Mississippi State. Maybe that should be the expectation, right? So it's good to be in this position, but let's not just be happy to be here. And like the old adage, we didn't come this far just to come this far. Let's go ahead and finish the deal, right? Let's go ahead and get it done. And again, no matter what happens in postseason play, now I want to play as long as we possibly can. But just get us in the tournament. If we get into the tournament with all four of these teams, I think we would consider the spring sports a success. Like all of you, I don't want to just go one and done. But I think considering how far basketball had to come, just making the tournament hang in another banner after uh, you know this you know one one tournament in a decade or more, it'd be an impressive showing. And again, it's not just about this year; it's about the future. It's about the trend. It's about the trajectory. It's about knowing we have the right coaches because the, the right coaches get the right players. And they keep you going in the right direction. So, again, a lot to be excited about. And, uh, again, today was a bit of a setback, but I still think we're okay on the women's side. I'm going to give you some details about that uh, here in the next segment of the show. Hey, let's thank our friends at Bulldog Burger Company. I love Bulldog Burger Company. Absolutely love that place. I loved them long before they were a sponsor of the show. And now I love them even more. And they've been a loyal supporter of mine for many years. And I respect and appreciate all of you that learned about Bulldog Burger Company for the first time on this show. I am happy to partner with winners. And that's what you have at Bulldog Burger Company. You should go congregate with them today. Go break bread with more winners. And we talk about how, you know, A's run with A's and B's run with B's. B and A. And go run with an A-plus company like Bulldog Burger Company. Three great locations to serve you. University Drive here in Stark, Vegas. Gloucester Street there in Tupelo. Lake Harbor Drive in a rich and flowwood area. Go have that great restaurant quality burger. You're not going to find one better. You're not. I mean, there's no. the search is over. Okay, go have that great restaurant quality burger there. You'll be glad you did. Get the Lauren, the Bryant, the Mission. I get the Pico de Gallo on the side when I get that. I've been craving the Fresh and 15. Didn't get a chance to get in there this week, but I will when I return. And always get the spring rolls as your appetizer. Listen, you owe it to yourself. You owe it to the world to make the world a more beautiful place by getting those spring rolls because they make you and everybody around you better looking. Get the chocolate shake to go. Enjoy a night out with friends or family. You'll be glad you did. No better destination than the great food, great atmosphere, and great service that you've you know, grown to expect a Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet, M-E-A-T. All right. Yes, I am disappointed that we lost a basketball game today. I am disappointed. I'm not angry. I'm disappointed because we missed an opportunity, I think, to remove all doubt about our tournament worthiness. You know, you don't, this, the main thing you want to do this time of year, you know, if you're not a team that's contending for a SEC tournament championship, is you don't want to give them any excuse not to pick you. That's the truth. I think we can all agree with that. You don't want to give them an excuse. And that sometimes that's how it is. And I think maybe we have. I think we're okay. But there's always that possibility. You just don't want to look at it and say, you know what? Hey, what if we had won one more game? 
All right, looking at the net right now, and this is uh, through yesterday. Mississippi State, 33 in the net on the women's side. 33, we should be good, right? Of course, this terrible loss to this A&M team and only won two conference games, that doesn't help. So we're going to tumble some in the net, but it shouldn't be devastating. But, yeah, they're 118 in the net. So, yeah, th- there's going to be a negative impact from losing that game. I don't think it should cost us a tournament. But let's take a quick look back at the game that was. I know many of you watched it, and you were like me. It's like, man, if we could ever get caught up in the second half, maybe we could you know, win this thing. And then you never know what happens with Ole Miss. You know, and listen, we talked about A&M has been a better team here as of late. You know, they got some players back, got some people healthy. But, yeah, we lose this ball game, man. It stinks. It does. I mean, you go in the end of the year, you lose two in a row. You expected to lose to LSU. You didn't expect this. But we had that abysmal second quarter, man. I mean, it's like we're up 25-19 after one. And like all of you, I'm thinking, okay, we're good. We're good. We're good. We weren't good, man, because second period we get outscored 18-5. And from there, we could never really get caught up. The rest of the game is just kind of nip and tuck. We, you know, we're down. We lose this third period 25-23. You come out and score 23 points. If you can just get a stop here and there, you can carve into it a little bit. And then we win the fourth period 19-17. But, it, you know, it really didn't matter. We went into that, that quarter down nine, and we just simply couldn't get over the hump. But that second period, just absolutely abysmal, man absolutely devastating in the second quarter a&m shot 43.75 percent seven of 16 from the floor your bulldogs one of 11 one of 11 you're not going to beat anybody like that especially this time of year one of 11 the rest of the game we shot it well we did i mean the third quarter we're trying to get caught up we're six of 11 and we shot it well in the first quarter you'd expect that we scored 25 points nine of 21 but one of 11 in the second quarter, and that proved to be the difference in the ballgame. Uh, Sydney Bowles for AM had 19. Aliyah Patty with 15. Uh, Jada Malone with, uh, with, a, with a dozen. Lady Bulldogs, Jessica Carter gets 18, got into a little foul trouble, kind of limited uh, you know, her impact on the game, only played 21 minutes. And these are games that you know, when the season is on the line, when you're trying to further your postseason chances. You need your best players on the floor, and Jessica Carter is one of our best players. A&M is a team that can shoot from the perimeter, and they've got some size inside, even though the record doesn't reflect it. They do have some talent there. And it's difficult to beat a team three times in a row. It just is. I don't care who you are, where you're from. It's just how it is. Sometimes you're just markedly better. But in this league, it's difficult to get a three-game separation. It is. But Jessica with 18 points, you just don't begin to imagine you exponentially you know, six of eight from the floor, six of seven from the free throw line. It, what if she plays ten more minutes? It's a different ball game. Uh, Jerkayla Jordan with a dozen, Debrecia Poe with a dozen, uh, Alana Smith has eight, Anastasia Hayes with eight, Azanae Johnson with six, Romani Parker with five, and of course she had to play, you know, a lot more. And she is a capable reserve down at the five, Courtney Weber with three. Uh, then they caught her, played uh, several minutes, did not score. And Charlotte Cole gets to the game, has a couple minutes herself. But, um, you know, so we went from being, you know, kind of putting an exclamation point on our statement to maybe a bit of a question mark. Now, I'll, I'll tell you my honest opinion is we're in. I believe we're in. And based on recent history, 
I think it's safe to say that we're in. You finish fifth in the SEC, 20 and 10, and you lose your first round tournament game. Okay, so let's take a quick look at the SEC, recent history in the SEC. Okay, so last year, Georgia, basically an identical. Bulldog fans, rodeo season is here. That's right, the Dixie National Rodeo. Get ready to roll, man. And uh, I remember being a kid, that was like the biggest highlight for us. My grandmother would get us tickets every year, and me and my brother would wear our cowboy outfits. We'd put our boots on, have our chaps, our vest, and we'd go up there, and just in case one of the cowboys got a little bit scared to get on a horse or a bull, we were willing to do it. Yeah, for sure. Guys, boots aren't just for going out to a country western bar and doing a little boot scooting. Maybe you got a little Texas two-step in your game. Tacovas can make you look better than ever. Absolutely. And here's the deal, too. That's the thing. The versatility of Tacovas is you can wear them somewhere nice or you can live life where you don't go gently. That's what Tacovas does for you. Yeah, it's a rugged, handsome boot. It's my favorite boot brand, and it should be yours, too. Be sure and check them out. Tacovas believes in Western for all people, and you can feel that when you go into their stores, when you walk in, you'll be greeted like family, offered a boot shine and a drink, and maybe even an adult beverage if you prefer, and you can get custom fitted for a new pair of Tacovas boots. You can get custom leather stamping or branding, whatever you need to make it feel somewhat individual. Look up your closest store at tecovis.com. But if you can't make it to a store, Tecovis delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And you know what, partner? Point your toes west. Bulldog fans, many of us grew up in a time... We didn't lock our doors. We didn't feel the need to. We didn't have a need to. But the world is a much different place today than it was when we were much younger. Surely you've seen your neighbors have these video doorbells and things of that nature. You can have the same peace of mind, but also the convenience that you grew up with, with our friends at Eufy. That's E-U-F-Y. Very, 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 very simple product here. Very easy to install, and you set it up with just a Phillips screwdriver. No drilling required, no power tools, anything like that. You get the keyless entry. You don't have to fumble around with the keys when you got your hands full. You never have to worry about your kids losing their keys, or perhaps you've got a rental property and you worry about people passing that key around. You also don't have the anxiety of having this battery that goes down on you. It's Guys, you got four months of power here, and you get a low battery notification before it runs out so you can charge it back up. It's pretty simple. There's no monthly fee, unlike a lot of other brands that charge you that fee. You can have your recordings locally and never have to pay for storage. Uh, Eufy is also on standby for you 24-7, and you can get a worry-free experience with an 18-month warranty, all backed by our professional customer service team. Contact them anytime by telephone, email, or even live chat, which is awfully, awfully convenient. And here's the thing. There's just so much out there in the world these days. Wouldn't it be nice to know maybe who visited your door when you're out or perhaps have the security of knowing that you've got video surveillance anytime somebody comes to your door? We absolutely can. Make sure that you look for Eufy Video Lock. That's visit E-U-F-Y. 
official.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete troll of your door. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Resume. Georgia goes 21-10 overall and 9-7 in the conference. And you know what? They lost in the first round of the, of the SEC tournament and then made the big dance. They beat Dayton and then lost to Iowa State in the second round. But again, identical resume. I mean, the, you know, the records could not be any different. 20-10 and 10 after the SEC tournament, and they make it, and they win a game in the big dance. Now, every year is a little bit different, right? I mean, you know, there's a lot of parity at times, and there's some other teams that, uh, you know, may have a higher net and maybe not the same uh, record. You know, so you can't just say, okay, with this, you're in. Uh, looking at, at Kentucky last year, Kentucky finishes 8-8 eight and eight in 19-12 and 12 overall. So a worse record than Mississippi State had, Right. They actually made a run in the SEC tournament, if you remember, and made it all the way to the championship game. They lose to South Carolina. So they kind of played their way in, and then they get beat in the first round of the tournament. But the full body of work was good. All right, looking at – let's go back a year to the 2021 season. Kentucky 9-6 in the league and and 18-8 overall. So they didn't win as many games as we did this year. They win a game in the SEC tournament and then make the NCAA tournament. All right, that's big. It's big. Uh, We'll take one more example here. We'll look at Arkansas from 2021. Arkansas, similar resume. Finished fifth in the SEC, just like your Bulldogs. 9-6, 19-8, 9-6, and 19-8, and, and does that year Kentucky finished sixth that year in the league? So fifth, and of course State's now 9-7. and seven. You know, We're bad at eating, you know. Uh, so again, lo- looking at their record here, they go through the regular season. They lose in the first round of the SEC tournament to Ole Miss and then make the NCAA tournament. So again, looking at recent history of teams that are similarly situated where the Bulldogs sit right now, those teams have made the tournament. Now, taking another look back at the net, one of the things I think that really helps us is the fact that there are so many SEC teams that have done a good job this year. All right, so State has played three teams in the SEC that are top 15 of the net. That's South Carolina, LSU, and Tennessee. Now, your record against them are one and two. But there's some quality losses in there. And there's a lot of parity in the league this year. In addition, you know, to the fact that we have some, you know, arguably the two best teams in the country or two of the top three teams in the country in this league. Uh, Ole Miss, we lost twice to them, and they're just better than us this year. I mean, that's just, you know, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. I'd love to have a chance to play them again on neutral floor. The results may have ended up being the same, but I'd love to have that opportunity. All right, so Ole Miss, they're 24 in the net. Alabama, who Mississippi State recently defeated, 28 in the net. And then, uh, of course, State's at 33. Georgia at 34. Georgia right there at 34. 
Uh, so we'll see how things kind of play out for those for those uh, lo- those ladies too. But you kind of get you know what I'm throwing down here is if you look at the full body work and the fact that state plays and arguably the greatest conference in the country in women's basketball this year, you got to feel like we've earned our way in. I believe that's the case. Now, when you start running through the numbers here, there is only one other conference that has three teams in the top 15 in the net, and that's the Big Ten. And they actually have four. Excuse me, three. Three. They have Maryland, Iowa, Indiana. So you start running the numbers here, and you feel like even with today's disappointing loss, and while it does bring, you know, cause a little bit of pause, I think we're in. We should be in. Uh, you know, Joni Mitchell said as much in uh, – or Joni Taylor, excuse me. We'll talk about Joni Mitchell later. She said as much. I think when you start breaking this thing down and you begin to realize that Mississippi State, the things that we've overcome this year, uh, the fact that Jessica Carter missed some time, had some injuries, some other, some, some other players – and to still be, you know, right here at 20 and 10 with a winning record, the best basketball conference in the country on the conference side, we should be in. Now, I think when it's all said and done, and I wish this information was you know, more readily available without having to kind of work our way through it ourselves and look it up each time. But when's the last time the number five team in the SEC didn't make the tournament. Not sure. And Alabama and Georgia right there with us, all three of us, nine and seven records. I think all three of us are in. Not sure what the final net looks like, but we're all going to be within shouting distance of each other. So I think there's a good chance you're going to get at least seven teams in the NCAA tournament if you're the SEC. At least seven. And maybe Arkansas gets in. I think that's as deep as it goes, though. Not to say that uh, we should be a slam dunk, but I think, you know, again, based on recent history and the body of work this year, we should be in. And if we're not in, I'm going to be disappointed. I'm not going to be disappointed in Sam. not going to be disappointed in our ladies. not going to be disappointed in, you know, our fans or anything like that. I'm going to be disappointed that the NCAA Tournament Selection Committee didn't pick us. That's what I'm going to be disappointed in. Because I believe we deserve to be. I think you all do too. But I will say losing today kind of leaves it up in the air a little bit. You win today, I think there's nothing to worry about. Nothing. And what we really need now is for the chalk to hold you know, everywhere else. We don't need a bunch of upsets out there. But, uh, yeah, we're a bubble team. We are. And we should be on the right side of the bubble. Now, the latest bracketology, and they'll update it. Charlie does a good job with that. I mean, Charlie, for the last few years, has just about picked the field perfectly. I've talked to him before at some of these NCAA tournament events. He goes, it's really not as hard as you think. You just follow the rules to a T, and you can find the teams. Now, his latest bracketology has state as a nine seed in Seattle. Utah being the one, Northern Arizona the 16, Gonzaga the eight, Mississippi State the nine. So he has us safely in, not in the the, last four buys or the last four in. He has us in, not in the first four out. He has Arkansas in the first four out. But Alabama, Georgia, Mississippi State, he has in. And that guy knows a lot more about this than you and I do. 
And so if Charlie says we're in, we're in. And, of course, he picks seven SEC teams to make it. So that's always interesting. Ironically, Arkansas, not one of them. But we'll see how things play out. Of course, there's still some basketball left. We have done all we can do. Our job is done. Our work is finished. The hay is in the barn, so to speak. But we should be in the dance. I think you all feel that way. And after a hiatus of, uh, you know, not being there, I mean, I guess the last NCAA tournament game we played was in 19. We were set to host in 2020. Again, we were a good team in 2020. You know, maybe not what we had been, but uh, we were a good team. But uh, it's been a while. You know, the fact that they didn't have a tournament in 2020 and then we miss it in 21 and 22, it'll be good to be back. We've grown accustomed to making those plans. And I can't begin to imagine how much fun it'll be just to be back in the dance. But uh, it'll be nice to get to a point where we're hosting again. And I do believe Sam Purcell will get us there. Do you remember when we, we hosted Michigan State? Susie Merchant said 7,000 feels like 70,000 because of you. Because we turn out, we turn up, we do a great job. we got some great memories in Humphrey Coliseum in recent years with the women's side for sure. Making some on the men's side, not, men's side now. But again, I hate that we lose today. But in the end, I don't think it's going to hurt us. It'll hurt us in our seating a little bit, I think. But I don't think it hurts us as far as getting into the tournament. All right, time for today's top 10 list is always brought to you by CloseWithBlair.com. That's C-L-O-S-E with Blair, B-L-A-I-R.com. Blair Chandler is a mortgage professional. Blair is a guy that has been there and seen it all and done it all. You need to have a friend to help you navigate through that labyrinth that is the mortgage process. There's no end of the things that underwriters want. Sometimes it's to satisfy their own massive egos. I'm joking. That's how it feels, though, right? It's like, why do I need this? What? All right, why, why is this necessary? I worked in the mortgage industry for a while, and we had a guy that was, a, uh, he was an appraisal evaluator. So like, he would make sure that people weren't targeting values and that the appraisal was good and it justified the value of the home that we were leveraging a mortgage against, right? And there were times you'd take it over there and you'd, you'd, you'd have an appeal, an underwriter would want, you know, let me get another comp. And he goes, if there was a better comp, it'd already be on here. The guy, this is a waste of my time, your time, the, the, the appraiser's time. We're not going to do this, you know. And so it's good to have somebody like Blair Chandler that understands all of that. Top 1% close ratio in the country, 21 years of experience in the industry. The guy's a winner, man. Stick with the winners. We talk about A's run with A's. Blair's an A. Give Blair a text or call today at 601-500-2344. Again, at 601-500-2344. And let him know you heard about him on the boneyard. He's going to pay for your appraisal, which is about a $500 value. That's a really cool thing right there. Be sure to check him out today. Again, that's closewithblair.com. All right, today's top 10 list. I'm going to make sure we give credit here as best we can. Melanie Moody offered this up, and she mentioned this for like a spring top 10. She mentioned St. Patrick's Day. We're going to do it now. She says, here's an idea for a St. Patrick's or spring top 10. Songs are groups that, I have, that have colors in their names. We've done groups. We're doing songs today. I suggested St. Patrick's Day because of the association with green, and since you're dealing with leprechauns and rainbows, why not all the colors? Granted, you might not be able to find a song about orange or purple, 
There's no word in the English language rhymes with either one. But you could go with Nina's 99 Red Balloons or Crystal Blue, Persuasion, Yellow Submarine. If you want to do Purple Song, there's always Purple Rain. You know, Melanie, you've come to the right place. There are only seven colors in a rainbow. So I had to kind of improvise here and uh, begin to kind of imagine a couple things. But um, So we're going to do the seven colors of the rainbow. So today's top ten list is not in order. We get black, white, purple, and then the seven colors of the rainbow. Because anytime we can recognize the genius of Prince, we need to do that. So you can kind of guess what one of your songs is. So uh, this is our list for Miss Melanie Moody. And thank you very much for the suggestion, Melanie. Number 10, I was supposed to have a tattoo appointment today. And uh, I got rescheduled because uh, there was a, uh, a leak in the shop due to all the rain. So that'll be rescheduled, and that, that, I hate it because I love getting ink therapy. And plus, I've got this gap on my right left leg between my uh, thigh and calf. So I was going to get my kneecap done today. I'm sure it's no picnic. I've had uh, some work done on the right kneecap, but uh, never the, the whole thing. We're going to get the whole thing done, and uh, we're going to get a black hole sun. That's right. To kind of cap the Chris Cornell lower leg sleeve. That's your number 10 song today, Soundgarden's Black Hole Sun. Won't you come? If you don't have that album, what are you doing with your life? I know a lot of people, you know, Bad, Bad Motorfinger is the album for many people for Soundgarden. And it is. But man, some of those songs on Super Unknown, and I love that album too, are amazing. Those are two albums that every, every person, Everybody that likes rock music, if you don't have Bad Motor Finger and Super Unknown on your playlist, what are you doing? Black Hole Sun. Probably the biggest hit commercially for Soundgarden. And I don't know if that's right, but it, it, it's true. All right, number nine, one of my favorite bands. I've seen them a half dozen times or more. Uh, representing the color white. It's Blackstone Cherry's White Trash Millionaire. I love that album, too. From start to finish, not a bad song on it. Uh, Between the Devil and the Deep Blue Seas, the name of that album. It's another one of those albums, if you don't have, I kind of wonder what you're doing. I kind of wonder if I can call you a friend. Because you need to have that album. It is, again, I, I wouldn't lead you in the wrong direction when it comes to music. But that's one of those albums that you can just put on from start to finish and just let it play. One of, the, one of the things I hate doing when I travel is having to, you know, pick songs. You know, and it's like sometimes I just listen to an album in its entirety because I, I just enjoy the vibe. I enjoy the journey a great album takes you on. That's the case with Blackstone Cherries, Between the Devil and the Deep Blue Sea. And, and I'm a huge fan. I have all their albums. But that's the one for me. That's the one that uh, I, I could probably give you every lyric of every song. Number eight. Melanie offered a suggestion. Remember, she said, you probably can't come up with a song that rhymes with purple, but then she did it herself. We're going to do the same. Number eight is Purple Rain from Prince. I saw that movie again recently. Anytime I'm you know, scrolling through at night and I'm not on Netflix, if I'm just kind of looking through the, the, the TV guide and I see Purple Rain is on, I watch it. I do. And I told my wife, she was in New Mexico back then. I told her I was watching it, so she went and found it like on uh, Hulu or whatever and watched it again. I can't count how many times I've watched that movie. All right, number seven. We get into the colors of the rainbow here in order. It's red. Could have gone a lot of different directions here. 
A lot of songs out there with red in the title. But I decided to pay homage to our departed friend, Jenny Lane from Warrant, from the Cherry Pie album, a song that he wrote and uh, said in interviews it was deeply personal for him. And I suspect there are other people that uh, have experienced this too, but it's a song I saw read when I opened up the door and basically he walks in on his uh, girlfriend having relations with some other dude. I didn't even need to see his face because I saw yours. That's the truth of the matter. It's a, it's a sad song in many respects. And Jenny Lane, as I've shared with you guys on, on the show, at times was a very tortured individual and uh, in the end died of an alcohol-related incident. And uh, it is one of those things that stays with me too. It, it, it is. And you say, well, Steve, you know, why? And I told you guys, you know, I had a chance to meet him before and talk some recovery with him down at the Texas Club in Baton Rouge just, just for a little while. And I uh, had some mutual friends that kind of kept me up to date on his plight. And uh, as you guys know, I've got down boys uh, tattooed on my knuckles in honor of Janie Lane. And it gives me a chance to tell that story. I have people that will say, what, what does that say? Down what? Down boys. What, what down? Well, that's Warren's first hit. And then it gives me a chance to tell that story about recovery and about Janie Lane and about how a guy like him that in many respects married at the time the most beautiful girl in the world, Bobby Brown, that was probably uh, not anybody in the, in, the, in the country that didn't want to date Bobby Brown when she was in a Cherry Pie video. So he had the, he had the career, he had the girl, and uh, in the end lost it all, and uh, alcoholism took him. Now, don't get me wrong, he was a willing participant in his own demise in the end. But when you're, get, when you're down in that deep depression, sometimes it's difficult to shake it out. It is. And uh, we've all been there in some respects. But it does. It stays with me. And, um, you know, Jenny Lane, when a Warren song comes on, I, I usually listen. I don't flip it through. All right, number six. I didn't know anything about this guy. But I love the song. I do. And it's kind of a sad love song, too. And it's uh, representing the color orange. It's a gentleman by the name of Zach Bryant, and the song is Something in the Orange. And it's about, you know, he's in love with this girl, and he, he makes a comment. Something in the Orange tells me you're not coming home. So it's a sad love song, but uh, I will tell you that his phrasing and his songwriting ability and his delivery, it's kind of Ray LaMontaneish, to be quite honest with you. It's kind of that folksy, you know, singer-songwriter type Guy, I think you're going to dig this song. Again, Something in the Orange from Zach Bryan. Not a lot of songs out there about oranges. All right, representing the color yellow, number five on your list today. If we're going to do a yellow song, and I know right, one of my best friends right now is thinking, I know it's Yellow Submarine. No, it's not. It's not. It's Yellow Ledbetter from Pearl Jam. A song that I don't know that gets enough credit, even to today. It, it's a big hit among the fans. I don't know that commercially it had the the you know the, the girth that uh, some of their other stuff did, but Yellow Ledbetter is an amazing song. I love Mike McCready's uh, intro on this. And somebody a while back hit me up and said, do a Mike McCready top 10, and maybe we will, because that encompasses more than just Pearl Jam. So, Roy, put that on a list. Mike McCready. We'll do a Mike McCready list. And he played on that Aussie track, too. Yeah, that's right. Okay, number four, green. Could have gone a lot of different directions here, too. But when I hear green, I think Green River from CCR. 
We hadn't had CCR on the list in a while. So there we go. Credence Clearwater Revival's Green River is your number four song today. I don't know that this new generation has truly embraced the genius of CCR. Like, if you want to impress your parents, you want to say, you know what, I want to listen to some songs that, um, you know, have some real purpose to them, CCR is the way to go. All right, number three, representing the color blue. I know immediately you hear blue when you're thinking we're going to Eiffel 65 because I'm blue, da ba dee da ba dee No, no, we're not doing that. That's not us. You might have enjoyed that song when it was out there because it was kind of unique and different. You know, no, that's not us. It's not. Could have gone a lot of different directions here. Could have gone Blue Monday, New Order. Didn't do that either. Because we rock around here. We're going with Sticks and Blue Collar Man is our number three track today. Tommy Shaw sings a vocal on that. Absolutely love Tommy Shaw's vocals. Like, you, know, you always think to yourself, man, if I could sing like this guy or anywhere close, Tommy Shaw is one of those guys to me that's just in the upper echelon. I mean, the work he did with Sticks and Damn Yankees, Shaw Blades. Tommy's amazing, man. All right, number two, and I believe that she's making her debut on a top ten list. I was unfamiliar with a song. I listened to it. I can, I can see why people like it. But it's Joni Mitchell. And congratulations, Joni, for the honor of being on a Boneyard top ten list, for what that's worth. Representing the color indigo. It's Turbulent Indigo by Joni Mitchell. And I will tell you, there are a lot of people out there that love Joni Mitchell, and uh, not just because of the hits. There's a lot of people that really enjoy the depth of her catalog. And she is, again, one of those singer-songwriters that just kind of, kind of typifies a generation. It's amazing she's still touring. All right, and the uh, final song on our list, I say it's number one. It's not really number one. It's like a, it's not, because it's certainly not better than Purple Rain or Black Hole Sun. It just happens to be representing the color violet, which is the last color of the rainbow. It's a song called Violet from Savage Garden. Shout out to Brian Haydad, maybe the biggest Savage Garden person that I know. And maybe I'm confused there. We'll give him a shout out anyway. I know Brian loves Roxette, and I, I want to say Savage Garden is like one of his favorite uh, bands too. And he'll deny that now, but you know, Brian is really just a big soft teddy bear. And I got to be careful sometimes what rock shirts I wear around Brian. Just because he is a delicate little flower. It's true. It's true, he is. He's my friend and uh, doesn't always show up for breakfast, which is surprising to many of you, I know. And uh, I try not to take it personal. No, I'm kidding. Uh, Brian's a great guy. And uh, listen, I, I always wish him the best. I tell you, you know, Brian and I were on Bulldog Sports Radio together for a while. And that really, we became friends over that. Because I was getting ready to move to Starkville. I hadn't yet. And, uh, you know, he was working doing the, you know, the B&B show. And then uh, eventually took a position with Bulldog Sports Radio, even though that company's now defunct. I mean, I look about all that hindsight, you know, I, I think for Brian and I both, it gave, number one, it gave Brian a platform beyond a message board. And ultimately now he works for Super Talk Mississippi, you know, syndicated statewide. I mean, it's a great thing. I mean, so you look back at hindsight, even though there was some tough times for both of us and mainly him because it was his primary source of income. So in no way am I trying to suggest that, I mean, yeah, I, mean, I didn't get paid either, but uh, in the end, I, got, I mean, I got paid until the end, but uh, I didn't, you know, 
I had something else to fall back on. But um, in the end, I think it all worked out well for us. But uh, I didn't even want to do a show. And then they hired Brian to kind of head up Bulldog Sports Radio, head up that division, among other things. I'm not trying to sell him short. And I just agreed to do a show, and I was like, hey, I don't, you know, this guy, I don't really get along, and so I don't want to do this, and I don't want to have to have a relationship with him. Other people say, you know, Steve, I don't want beef. There is beef, right? But Brian called me. He's like, hey, listen, there's some things I did and said, you know, over the years that I regret, and you know, this is business about business, and I said, okay, I'll give the guy a chance. And little did I know, eventually I'd be uh, sitting in Brian Haydad's house recording shows. And uh, I was there when he got the phone call from Will East with Super Talk. And uh, I remember the jubilation in Brian's voice, man. I mean, it was like, this guy's my friend. And it's like, I, I've sat there and watched him, you know, hang on to the bitter end of Bulldog Sports Radio. And I mean, I, I was long for that ride and, and really a witness to what all went on with Brian and that was a special day, man. I mean, it really was. I mean, yeah, 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 Super Talk Mississippi. I mean, yeah, it's run by Ole Miss people. But listen, I mean, this is this is a guy. You know, it's my friend. And I thought, man, what, what a good opportunity for him, but also, too, a guy, too, that uh, will get in there and kind of plead our case at times. You know, he won't just be a yes man. And so uh, really happy to see what's happened, you know, with Brian uh, over the years. And he is my friend. And I don't know that I would have said that 10 years ago. He is my friend. And uh, we get together. We used to get we used to get lunch together regularly. We need to do that a little bit more often. But uh, sometimes schedule just doesn't permit. And uh, you just never know where life's going to take you. And I'm glad there is no beef. You know, and there there may be some people out there that don't like me, and I'm, I'm sure there are. Um, but I don't have these uh, feelings, you know, about uh, other people. I, I don't harbor that that kind of stuff. Maybe maybe you guys do. I just and listen, I, I've been wrong before in life too, man. Uh, and and really. Much of it, um, you know, not to my, uh, not to my, uh, Roy just texted me, maybe lose my train of thought, but um, I just don't live my life that way looking for bitterness and resentment. And, um, but there are people out there that don't like you for no good reason. And there are other people out there that wrong me. And I've wronged other people. And uh, I just think it's one of those things, too, that uh, you got to be open for forgiveness, man. I mean, you got to. I remember, and I won't give you her name because I think she actually lived, um, and that's a good thing. But it was an Alabama fan uh, years ago, back when we were on the Scout.com platform, that um, she was a regular poster. I mean, like she was one of these people that just, you know, was involved in every discussion every day. And she got diagnosed with cancer. And it was devastating. And uh, we all went over there. She was young. And um, and he went to go check it out because uh, anytime that she went to go do Alabama research and hear what they were talking about and stuff, she'd be in the middle of all that. And she wasn't obnoxious. I mean, she kind of was to Auburn people. But, I mean, that's you know, part of a, of a good-natured rivalry. But but she was talking about all this stuff and, and lessons that she had learned and, you know, what chemo had taught her and, you know, facing your own mortality. And I remember – I'll never forget this. I hope I don't anyway. I hope I don't ever get into a position that I'll forget this. But she had written this long post about all these things that um, the emotion she was dealing with. You know, about there will be a time when I say goodbye to my family for the last time. And it's just brutal. Think about that. And the last thing she wrote after this, and, and, I mean, it was like a Shakespearean sonnet. And it was just so well done. And I'm, by the end of it, I'm a blubbering mess. I mean, you read it and it's like, man, I'm just, I got to be more grateful in life, man. I mean, you read that and you think, man, that could be me. 
you know, makes you want to go grab your kids and your wife, just hug them up and, you know, just handle it, man. And, um, and so, uh, the last thing she wrote is forgive, forgive, forgive. And I think about that sometimes too. And I think about, you know, if there is acrimony or angst between me and somebody else, what do I owe them forgiveness? When the people always say, you know, forgiveness is for you, you know, forgiveness is a gift. Forgiveness is something you do for yourself. And one of the, probably the biggest lesson that I have learned about forgiveness is um, being willing to offer forgiveness to people that maybe don't even deserve it. Maybe they don't even ask for it. But why would you want to live with that? You know, I have, I have done some things to people that uh, I'll probably never be forgiven for. And there are people that have done things to me that I, don't, I didn't think I was capable of forgiving, but I've been able to do that. You know, life and the good Lord and maturity has kind of brought me to that point. You just simply don't want to live with bitterness in your heart. There, there was a time that I did. And, you know, a lot of it you feel justified in. You know, it's like, I'm, not, I'm never going to forgive them. You know, you're only hurting yourself. Living with bitterness and resentment. And I heard this in an AA meeting once. I never forgot it. Living with resentment is like peeing down your leg. You're the only person that feels it. It makes perfect sense to me, right? So I share that with you, and um, kind of interesting that uh, we talked about Brian so much on the show. But, uh, you know, Brian and I are not competitors. Brian and I are friends, and I wish those guys the absolute best with their show. Uh, I know that they wish me the same, and uh, that's the thing, you know, I don't know who came up with this meme and said, you know, if your friends don't want to see you winning, they're not your friends. I want to see us all win, right? I do. I want everybody that I'm associated with to be happy and to be successful. And, uh, you know, the beat would be a lot different if Brian wasn't around. Like if, if he had not been able to maintain, you know, a career on the sports side of things, that, that would not have been good for Mississippi State. It wouldn't have been good for our beat. And uh, Brian's a lot of fun to be around. I mean, he just is. He's a lot of fun to be around. And uh, I get it 10 years ago, I wouldn't have said that. But, uh, and that would have been my loss, right? Absolutely would have been my loss. And uh, Brian has an impeccable memory, too. He is a guy that uh, he can remember things and, like, he'll say, like, oh, yeah, that's right. It's right. It's, he's right about that. You know, his recall on that is, is remarkable. And uh, I live in the big maroon bubble, you know, so I don't, I don't always just look at Mississippi State stuff. But, I mean, that's basically all I do. Mississippi State stuff, music, and my family. That's pretty much the end of list. But uh, Brian knows a little bit about everything. So, Little did I know we'd have a Brian Haydad tribute today. So uh, best of luck to Brian, Robbie, everybody else involved in the podcasting game out there. And I uh, hope you guys enjoyed the top ten list. If you have an idea for the top ten list, reach out and let us know. Best way to do it is to hit up Roy on Twitter at Dogmatic67. A lot of people hit me up, too, on Facebook, and I'll get them eventually. That's what Melanie did. I'll, I'll do my best to screenshot it and get it to Roy. He is the keeper of the list. And so we may have some repeats from some oldies soon because they've released new music. So we may change our top 10. There are still some active bands that we've done. So we might be updating some of those. It's not that we're getting lazy. It's just that uh, things change. And thanks as always for your support at Top 10 List. You can find our great list on Spotify at Dogmatic67. And Roy has informed me that he thinks Joni Mitchell is actually not on Spotify. <clears throat> you know, she's protesting something. And, you know, we talk about forgiveness. That's, you know, 
I'm not going to get into all that, but I'm just tell you this: you know, if you if you're living life that way, that you got to withhold yourself, you know, from the rest of the world, you're only punishing your fans over something that really is not even your business. But whatever. Um, but we may replace this with uh, Roy's suggestion, Eva Cassidy's Fields of Gold. I don't know if it's a cover. Nevertheless, if, if you don't see Joni on Spotify, it's her own fault. All right, next segment of the show brought to you as always by Campus Bookmart. I love Campus Bookmart. I do, and they love me too. They will love you just the same when you go in there and peruse their fine selections of Mississippi State merchandise. The best selection of Mississippi State merchandise in a known universe. Be sure and go check it out. You'll be glad you did because you're going to find exactly what you need for that hard-to-buy-for bulldog. If you can't make it to town to see their smiling faces, visit them on the World Wide Web at campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays. That's BSR. Stands for beautiful Steve Robertson. That's me. That gets you free shipping on all orders over 75 bucks. Any order less than 75 absolutely incomplete. You'll be glad you shopped at Campus Bookmark. Doing a great job for a great fan base. Pardon me. All right. Let's uh, look at the SEC baseball schedule. I like the schedule, okay? There are some big, 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 big matchups uh, this weekend. And I don't know if this is actually correct. But we'll check it out. We'll check it out. We'll see. Uh, they got Ole Miss playing Maryland. Let me check that real quick. And that's correct. They played them last weekend. They're going to play them this weekend as part of that, that classic. But before I get into the schedule, I want to talk about this Ole Miss-Louisiana Tech controversy. Now, I'm you know your good friend and host. I'm never one to defend Ole Miss. Ever. But I'm going to defend them in this case here. And, yeah, it's, it's a riding way to win a ball game. It is. And if you're unfamiliar with what happened, let me bring you up to speed. Ole Miss and Louisiana Tech were playing Wednesday night. Tech wins the game on on Tuesday, and it appeared to be they were on their way to winning it on Wednesday. And then in the top of the seventh inning, lightning came in. You, You understand the weather we had in North Mississippi last night. It's not a big surprise. There was a lot of lightning. And so the game was suspended, and ultimately the game was called. Now, the way the NCAA rulebook reads is you revert to the last inning played. Well, after six innings of play, Ole Miss had the lead, so they were awarded the win. I don't know where you're from, but ever since I have played baseball and followed baseball, the home team has to bat last. The home team has to have an even number of at-bats. Those are the rules that we have subscribed to for decades. And then people are like, oh, well, you know, whoever has the lead when a game is called, they should win. And I get it because you want Ole Miss to lose. But the rules are the rules, and so Ole Miss wins the game. And I've read a lot of the commentary out there, and again, it's because, you know, we despise Ole Miss, but you can't be upset with Ole Miss because the NCAA rule book was followed. So that's my take on it. Uh, I believe it's the proper take. I do think if that game went on, losing Tech's going to win. And it's unfortunate. Lane Burroughs has come out t- today and said that they will never schedule Ole Miss again because they didn't like how it was handled. Nobody tarped the field. I don't even think it was raining at the time. And there were people who were critical saying, you know, they could have moved the start time up. They actually did. So, you know, I get it. 
if you're on the tech side of this thing, it's like, you know, hey, we're winning, and then we end up losing the ball game. I mean, the rules are the rules. It's not really an Ole Miss issue. And some would say, well, Ole Miss didn't try to get the game in. Well, you know, there was the, the, the rain was coming. The lightning was prevalent. I don't know how you could have continued. Now, you can argue Louisiana Tech said, hey, we'll come back. We'll come back and finish the game. If you want to be critical of Ole Miss for anything, be critical of that. They would not allow Tech to come back next week and play three innings. They said they would come back at their own expense just to finish the game. And I can understand why you'd want that win. You know, Ole Miss is a top 25 team. Maybe they don't stay there all year, but they're a top 25 team. And if Ole Miss does stay there, then it boosts the Louisiana Tech resume. So if you want to be critical of Ole Miss, you're critical of that. But not over the fact that the rule book was followed. All right. SEC schedule. Let's see if we can get back over to this. So much of this, man. Yeah, Ole Miss will play Maryland after playing them last weekend. Played them last weekend. Ole Miss wins two of three for Maryland. And uh, and then splits with Louisiana Tech, and they'll they'll play they'll go to Minneapolis and they'll play Maryland, Minnesota, and Nebraska. All right, so that's your Ole Miss schedule. All right, so let's go back to the rest of the SEC schedule, and, and there are a few teams that are involved in all this. You know, it's uh, in this little tournament here, but Vanderbilt is part of that too. Vanderbilt will open with Nebraska this weekend at noon. 11 Central. Nebraska, not what what they once were, uh, but nevertheless, Vanderbilt, still Vanderbilt. A bit overrated, if you ask me. University of Illinois, Chicago will visit Alabama. Alabama offensively a much better team, now ranked in the top 20 in the country. I told you guys I thought Alabama would be better. I do think once we get into SEC play, you're going to see those guys kind of – Come back to reality. Indiana State is at Kentucky. We're going to be there in a couple weeks. Uh, matter of fact, we made our arrangements today uh, to go to Kentucky. Wildcats are a team that uh, I think will be gritty. And uh, they have won a few games, obviously. They've only lost two this year. They win the opening series two out of three against Elon. They beat Evansville, Wright State. They take two of three from them, and they beat Moorhead State. Uh, so, again, a decent start, I guess you could say, 6-2 and two for Kentucky. They need a big weekend against Indiana State. I do think Kentucky, again, is a better team than people are giving them credit for. I do. And uh, I think when we go up there, we're going to we're gonna have to bring a sack lunch. Wright State continues their southern tour. They will beat Arkansas this weekend. Uh, really bad news out of Arkansas. We haven't heard an official diagnosis yet. But... Um, you know, they had to come from behind and win an 11 last night against Illinois State. You know, the big news really out of Arkansas wasn't so much, uh, you know, the win, but it's the health of one Brady Tigert. They brought him in to close out the ball game, and uh, he wasn't able to do that. And then he leaves with an apparent arm injury. A lot of speculation that it could be a UCL, which would lead to season-ending Tommy John surgery. And listen – you don't want that for any kid, man. I mean, you don't. I mean, the recovery time, and people are like, well, you know, everybody throws harder. You know, I've always thought Tiger had kind of an awkward delivery, and it was just kind of a matter of time, you know, with the spin rate that he has. 
and you hate that. And uh, he's a Mississippi kid, and uh, people go, well, you know, Steve, you left the state. Well, he grew up an Arkansas fan. You know, that'd be like Ani Roberts and my kid growing up in Baton Rouge, and if he had picked Mississippi State over LSU, if he'd had that option, people would say, well, how did we lose a kid from Baton Rouge? Well, it's because of the fact that uh, he grew up pulling for the Bulldogs and against the Tigers. It's kind of like that with Tiger. And so I know there are a lot of Bulldog fans that uh, know that family. And uh, on behalf of everybody here at the Boneyard, and we offer our, our deepest sympathies and condolences to the Tigard family and, and wish him a full recovery. We hope that the, the initial prognosis is incorrect. But I've been around this game long enough to recognize that injury. It's not anything we want to see. We saw with Landon Sims down in Tulane, man. It's, it's just a horrific moment. It really is. Uh, so Arkansas has already lost two of frontline pitchers. And Wright State's a, a, a capable mid-major team, but you like Arkansas to win the series. And you mentioned, we mentioned don't miss the schedule. Georgia Tech is a Georgia. Not sure what to expect out of Georgia this year. You know, Scott Strickland's going to have pitchers. You know, Georgia Tech, a team that, uh, you know, has, has made it to tournament recent years, put some good things together. So this could be an interesting weekend. And uh, Georgia off to a pretty good start, too. They, uh, they, they dropped the first game of the year to Jacksonville State and then put together a five-game winning streak and then lose game four of a uh, series against Princeton. And then they win Tuesday night against Prez. And so Georgia Tech will come in there and uh, for a three-game set. I like Georgia. Um, I, I like the fact that Georgia's actually scoring some runs this year, but you got to question the quality of pitching they faced. Be a little different deal this weekend. Georgia Tech, uh, you know, again, not, not a powerhouse, but a team that is consistent when it comes to uh, being an NCAA tournament team. South Carolina and Clemson. I like it a lot. I think South Carolina is a bit overrated, and I think the SEC play will uh, will prove that. I think it's just a matter of time. And, and South Carolina undefeated at this point, but they haven't really played anybody. You open up on a three-game sweep of UMass, Lowell, you take care of Winthrop in the midweek. You get Queens. You take care of Penn from the Ivy League and then NCA&T. They have played absolutely nobody. Absolutely nobody. So you see these gaudy numbers offensively. Double-digit runs scored in the first five ball games of the year. But I suspect we could probably pull nine Mississippi State students out of the student section and put a, a team together capable of competing against some of these teams. And you think, Steve, that's hyperbole. No, it's not. All right, Gonzaga at Tennessee. Gonzaga, this is going to be interesting, okay? I will not be a least bit surprised to see Gonzaga take a game from Tennessee. Uh, Tennessee, obviously, a very good team. But Gonzaga, you know, a couple of years ago, we were, there was a lot of discussion. You, you know, Gonzaga was in a hosting discussion. You know, this is a team that's capable of coming here and stealing a game. And Tennessee, obviously, not scoring the way that they uh, they normally do. You know, they lose the first two games of the year. Pitchers duels, 3-1, to 4-3. to three. They beat San Diego. And then they get Alabama A&M and outscore them 33-1 to one in, in two games. Everybody's feeling great. And Tony Vitello, of course, suspended last weekend against Dayton. And that's all part of the uh, tampering investigation into uh, Ahuna. Of course, he has now been ruled eligible. But the fact that there has been an eligibility ruling and there has been a coaching suspension, you can expect there to be some level of sanctions. How serious, we don't know. But uh, there will be an institutional penalty to be paid in all this, too. And then, of course, they bounce back and beat Charleston Southern. So, again, the only teams with a pulse that Tennessee has played this year have beaten them. And that's Arizona and Grand Canyon. 
This Gonzaga team, again, capable of going to Knoxville and getting a ball game. Not sure how much that matters in the end. But that'll be, again, don't, don't be the least bit surprised if Gonzaga goes in there. They won't take the series, but they'll take a game. And we're going to be up there in April in, in Knoxville. And uh, look forward to seeing all you uh, Bulldog fans up there in that neck of the woods. All right, Miami is in Florida. A battle of uh, two ranked teams. Be a three-game set. And, uh, you know, it was one of those deals last year where, uh, you know, after the series, things kind of changed for both teams. Florida, another team you look at and say, you know, who have they really played yet? Well, you know, really nobody's played anybody, right? But they get three against Charleston Southern. They get a couple. They split a midweek uh, series with South Florida. And they get three against Cincinnati. And then they split a pair with Jacksonville. That's Florida. And, of course, Florida, of course, and I love Kendall Rogers. Don't get me wrong here. But you know, it always seems when Florida loses a midweek game, it's just not a big deal. Midweeks don't matter until we lose one. Then it matters. But they'll get Miami this weekend. And uh, I really thought after we had Miami in a regional here a few years ago, that Miami was on their way to being back. That just hadn't been the case. But this will be an interesting series. I like Florida. I think Florida is pitching it fairly well. They've given up some runs here as of late. A lot of that's been some bullpen stuff. But um, they should be able to, to be okay this weekend. But uh, you look at the fact they gave up 16 runs last weekend in three games combined in Cincinnati. But the Florida offense, obviously, more than capable, scoring 13 runs three games in a row. And then they put up 18 on the Dolphins down there in Jacksonville. But uh, – this will be a very intriguing series. I like Florida to win it. Uh, Texas Southern's at Mizzou. Yeah, way, way to ratchet it up there, Mizzou. Um, and I guess if you're Beezer, you got to figure out a way here, right? I mean, you, you know, probably coaching for your job. Uh, Mizzou wins the little tournament they have beginning of the year. They lose to Oklahoma State. They beat Texas, and they beat TCU six five nine eight. Play a four game set with Florida International down there. And they take three or four down there. They beat Lindenwood. If you knew there was a Lindenwood team, surprise. Texas Southern goes into Mizzou for a three-game set. That would be a nice little paycheck for Texas Southern. But uh, if Missouri loses a game this weekend, there's probably cause for concern. Lipscomb is a Mississippi State's opponent next weekend. They will visit Auburn this weekend. I'm eager to see what happens with Auburn this year. They're just one of those teams difficult to get a read on. But Auburn wins two out of three against Indiana. They take down North Alabama. They get two from USC, and they, the last game ends in the bottom of the ninth, and it's hot. It's a getaway that they couldn't finish the game. And then they beat FAMU 18-8. So just one loss on the year, but they also have that tie. And it's like you got to deal with that all year, right? That, that, you know, suffer for all you uh, beat writers that have to remember to add that tie every single week and every game when you post the records. But Lipscomb will visit them, and uh, again, Auburn should be able to handle that with no problem. Butler is at LSU. be one thing if it was a basketball game. You know, LSU, a very intriguing team. They've also stacked up some injuries here as of late. Uh, they lose the one game to Iowa last weekend. You know, they opened up with a three-game sweep of Western Michigan. They blast Southern 18-4. to They were actually down in that ballgame, I think, at one point, 4-1. to They beat Kansas State, lose to Iowa, hammer Sam Houston, and they beat Texas. And they're, they're named the winners of that because of run differential. They'll play Butler on Friday and then Central Connecticut on Saturday and Sunday. And then back on Monday, you'll play Butler. 
So that'll stress your pitching staff a little bit because you're going to play four on a weekend and then turn around and play again on Wednesday. Uh, so we'll see. Of course, you're not playing anybody. you got to be able to blast all these teams. So LSU will remain number one. They'll continue to stack up some wins here. And then we'll see how things go, right? Uh, real quickly here, looking at uh, A&M. I think A&M is going to fold. And I think you're beginning to see some of that now. They are not offensively what they have been. You know, last year, a veteran team, they got a, a, a nucleus of players back this year. And they're pitching it pretty well, but they're not scoring, even in their own ballpark. Uh, so they sweep Seattle U, they lose to Lamar, and then lose two out of three to Portland. So three out of four, a three-game losing streak, then they turn it around with a Sunday game, and then they blast Houston Christian 23 to nothing. This weekend will be interesting. They're in one of these little tournaments. They're going to play Louisville and then Rice and then Texas Tech. You remember when Rice was good at baseball? Remember that? Yeah, that's back in the need-based aid era. Remember that? Yeah. Rice was a part of that. They were a part of that Vanderbilt deal. So it was Tulane. And you've noticed once they, they quit giving need-based aid, all of a sudden these teams have become also-rans. So Rice is in that deal. So uh, A&M, they'll earn it this weekend. Uh, I like this Louisville team. Dan McDonald, of course, one of the best coaches in the country. Timmy Tadlock at uh, Texas Tech. Uh, he was the guy, when we hired Lamonis, I even mentioned to John Cohen, let's go get Timmy Tadlock. Now, you know, obviously he's a Texas forever guy. But it had been nice to be able to pull him. I, I love his approach to offense. And this is a guy that, you know, they, they batter pitching. They do. That's one of the reasons they're constantly in the mix. We mentioned uh, Vanderbilt, you know, we, we, we did the Ole Miss schedule. Vanderbilt will play Nebraska, Maryland, and Minnesota in that order. So that'll be an interesting weekend, too, with Ole Miss and um, Ole Miss and um, Vanderbilt up there in that deal. So interesting. Now, of course, your Bulldogs will be in Frisco. And uh, we haven't packed a bag yet. We'll figure that out here. That's one of the reasons I'm recording early, so give me some options. Uh, we'll get up and get going in the morning. And uh, the big news out of Starkville, of course, is Gerangelo uh, Santi. Is, and I've been told multiple pronunciations. I'm going to ask him uh, this weekend, hopefully, to let me get near him. Will be your Friday starter. Uh, Gerangelo, of course, has two appearances, leads the team with two, two victories, only pitched five innings, though. He did get the victory of the Sunday game against VMI in relief of Landon Gartman. Pitched one inning, and then during that, Next half inning, State takes a lead, so he's credited with the W. And then the win against Louisiana Monroe. We didn't see him on Tuesday, and I was told last week that we may. That we might see he and Bradley Lofton. When he didn't pitch, I kind of questioned, does that mean we're going to see him on the weekend? So people say, what's going on with Cade Smith? Now, I don't know for sure. We're not going to speculate, right? But it is clear to anybody that's followed Cade Smith's career Cade did not look right last weekend. It's not that Cade forgot how to pitch. And Cade has always been a strike one guy, always. And he simply couldn't get it done last week. And so you pull him. And now he's missing a start. I don't know what that means long term. I'll try to find out this weekend. But, you know, we need Cade Smith. We need Cade Smith to beat Cade Smith. And we need Cade Smith to go out there and win ball games for Mississippi State. But we also, not at, not at the cost of his own health, right? And so hopefully it's not anything serious. We all knew at some point that there would be a youth movement when it comes to Mississippi State pitching this year because many of our more talented pitchers are the newcomers. It's interesting, heading into the third week of the season, that we've already replaced two of our weekend starters. 
Casey Hunt, of course, starts week one. And then Graham Entima becomes the starter on Saturday. He'll be back in a rotation again this week. Landon Gartman, the only guy that will pitch three weekends in a row. I said back then, and there was a lot of angst, a lot of people complaining, Mississippi State has options on the mound this year. We don't have to wait for you to work it out. We don't. And the whole point of the non-conference is to get you prepared, to get your rotation settled, to identify the bullpen roles, so when you get into SEC play, you know exactly who you can trust. That's the purpose of all of this. And so I share that because here we are, you know, week to week, and Chris Simonis and Scott Foxhall have changed the rotation. Maybe that's related to some health stuff. Maybe it's related to effectiveness. But the reality of it is, is we're making a change. You knew as well as I did it was a matter of time before uh, Gerangelo became a weekend guy. We thought potentially after the fall that he may be the Sunday guy. But now here he is still on Friday. That allows everybody else to stay on normal rest. So Graham and Landon are on their same arm care schedule. And the fact that we haven't thrown uh, Gerangelo in over a week, he should be good to go. Now he threw four innings against Louisiana Monroe, and he could have gone longer. You know, if he can get a six with the lead, we ought to be in good shape. Now, one good thing, you say, oh, he's throwing on Friday. That, that's true. That is true. However, of the three teams we're going to face this weekend, Ohio State is probably the worst offensive team of the three. We touched on some of this earlier in the week. We'll revisit it a little bit here. But uh, as a team, Ohio State hitting 265. All right, that's not going to get it done. They're hitting 265. They do have some some extra base hits. Uh, you know, nine doubles, three triples, and six home runs. And those power numbers are kind of littered throughout the lineup. It's not one or two guys that you can kind of pitch around here. But this is a team that has struck out 76 times. 76 times in eight games. And Gerangelo is a strikeout guy. At seven Ks against Louisiana Monroe. So I think this – if you want to keep him on the weekends, if this is part of the maturation and transition for Gerangelo, it makes perfect sense. He makes his debut in relief, starts in the midweek. Now we move him to the weekend, and you put him in a position now where he is going to play a Power 5 team that kind of has some offensive struggles. You start looking at uh, you know the, these K numbers here, too, up and down this order, uh, you know, for Ohio State. It's not where, like, one guy is just getting riddled here, right? Uh, Marcus Ernst leads the team with 10 Ks, but, you know, there are a bunch of guys out there. Uh, Mitchell Oakley is another one with 10. But all these guys are striking out with some regularity. The only guy that's really not a whole lot is a guy that hadn't played much. That's Caden Kaiser. But among the regulars, there is some swing and miss in this lineup, and now you're putting a swing and miss pitcher on the mound. So, as good as I felt about the Ohio State game, I feel even better about it. You know, my concern, of course, was what's going on with Cade. I mean, if Cade goes out there and begins to walk these guys and Cade's not right, it could lead to a long weekend, right? You want to get off on a good start. We, we know that Gerangelo's healthy. We know that he is a strike thrower. We know he's going to go out there and pound his own. And I think this is a good matchup for him. I think this is a team that he should be able to go in there and get our weekend off on the right foot. And I'm excited about it. 
And I want Cade to be ready. I want Cade to get healthy. And maybe him missing a week is good for him. And we get him back, and that gives us some options on the weekend. But you look at it, you know, again, Landon pitching three weekends in a row, and then uh, Intima, or Intima. I've been told a couple different things, but I think it's I think it's Intima. But it might be Intima. Either way. Um, Graham earned another start last week. And so Graham is going to face Oklahoma. Now, I don't know maybe if that was part of Chris Lamonis' uh, thought process, and I'll ask him once we get out there. They're already there, and uh, we will go rally and join them tomorrow. I don't know if this is about, okay, give Graham a chance as the, as the, uh, the lefty to pitch against Oklahoma. And maybe that's part of the deal. You know, Oklahoma, people forget. I know many of you have tried to forget last year's College World Series. But Oklahoma was the runner-up last year. That's who Ole Miss beat in the finals. Now, they lost a lot of their team. They did. However, there's a core nucleus back. Anthony McKenzie is absolutely killing it for Oklahoma. He's in 548. He started every game. 17 hits already. It's ridiculous, man. Now, he's a singles hitter all the way. He's also their leading stolen base guy. Nine out of ten. The guy's getting it done. Uh, Easton Carmichael, that's a guy that swings a pretty good bat there, hitting 321. And then Dakota Harris, 313. Everybody else under 300. But this is a team, obviously, that uh, is not what it was a year ago. But it'll be awfully interesting to see, you know, how Graham matches up against Oklahoma. You know, they, again, they got some dudes. You know, they got some dudes for sure. Anthony McKenzie's a switch hitter too. So, you know, you know, us throwing from the left side really doesn't affect him. I'm not exactly sure what his splits are. But uh, this Oklahoma team obviously is a team we've got some recent history with. We know the program they have there. And they're a team that's always capable of doing some big things. But uh, I submit to you probably the most difficult game we're going to play the entire weekend is going to happen on Sunday, Sunday morning. The 11 a.m. first pitch is we take on Cal. Cal 6-1 this year. Now, their midweek game got canceled. It's funny how that always seems to happen, right? Uh, they have not played a game since uh, Saturday, February 25th. Their Sunday game was postponed. Their Tuesday game with UC Davis postponed. And then they will take on Oklahoma first and then Ohio State. So we'll have a pretty good idea of what they're working with by the time we get there. But this is a team, again, West Coast baseball is much different than Southern baseball. You know, they're, they're more than happy to win a game 4-1. You know, there are not a lot of mashers out there. There are a lot of hit and runs, a lot of bunting. There's a lot of uh, stolen bases. And even though Cal didn't run the bases an, an awful lot, uh, they're a team that puts the ball in play. They're a team that doesn't strike out an awful lot. So you need a guy like Landon Gartman to kind of keep them off balance. You know, as a team – They've struck out 62 times. Now, they only played seven games. So that ratio is somewhat similar uh, to what we're going to see with Ohio State, but not many extra base hits. They have eight dingers, but just the one triple and uh, 11 doubles. And, and, again, it's kind of littered up and down the lineup here. But this is a team, by and large, that's going to put the ball in play and make you play defense. But uh, from a pitching standpoint, that's one thing we can expect from these guys, too. They're going to try to get you to put the ball in play. They're going to try to get under barrels. Teams are hitting just 218 against them, and you look at the punch-out numbers, just 52. So it's not like they're getting a ton of Ks. They only have had one pitcher that has double-digit Ks. 
They're going to go out there and force you to put the ball in play. And, and that's one thing sometimes we struggle with, is when we have teams that can throw sinkers and get under barrels and things of that nature, it's tough. It's tough for us at times to put the ball in play. Uh, Ian May, of course, has been outstanding for them. Uh, he is a left-handed guy from Laguna, Niguel, California. Let me get out the trusty calendar here to make sure I'm giving you the right information. Uh, he threw on Friday on the first two weeks against Houston and against Cal Poly on the 17th and the 24th. So Ian May, we expect him to probably be the Friday night guy for them. Uh, Tucker Bougie, we've talked about him. He was the Sunday guy in week one, uh, pitched on the 19th, and then turned around and moved up to Saturday the next week. So is he Saturday this week? I haven't seen any announcements from them. There's a good chance he'll pitch uh, this weekend. And then Paul Sean Pascalato, I love the name. He is from Palo Verde High School in Las Vegas. He is a right-handed pitcher and a reliever, so we may see him at some point. But uh, they've listed him with a couple of starts, and there's just not enough pitching numbers here to really think, you know, this is a guy that you're, you know, maybe he's just like an opener or whatever. Uh, But the reality of it is, don't know who we're going to face on Sunday. Just not sure. But it looks like their front-line guys will be out of the way. And uh, so hopefully that's a good thing for us. And guys, I, I, I want to go down there and win this thing, like you guys do as well. I am very confident about our ability to go down there and play good baseball. I think going on the road sometimes is a good thing. Builds camaraderie. You know, the only game that we have been outside of uh, Duty Noble Field was the game at Trustmark, a neutral field there, and we didn't pitch it well. So – you know, our winning weekend is going to boil down to how effective we can be with our starting pitching. Not sure what's going to happen with Tyler Davis. You know, he's gotten to work through it. We're going to need him. But I think runs are going to be as a bit of a premium this weekend. So we can ill afford to go out there and walk the ballpark and expect to win a game. Can we go win all three? We absolutely could. But I'm expecting probably a 2-1 weekend. It's kind of curious to see, you know, you know, Graham, his first two outings wasn't very good. Let's just be honest about it. He was very good last weekend. And he's going to be facing probably the most talented lineup he's ever seen in his life. You know, how will he handle that? That's a game that kind of concerns me. I feel great about Friday. I feel really good about Sunday and just okay about Saturday. So if I had to call it today, I think we beat Ohio State. I think we beat Cal. I think Oklahoma is probably the team we're most concerned about. And so, you know, we'll see. Of course, and that's not to sell Graham short. It's just, it's a big moment on a neutral field when you don't have a lot of fans, uh, you know, cheering and calling your name. And maybe that's a good thing. There's sometimes, uh, you know, playing at home brings a lot of pressure. But uh, I'm excited about the weekend. And, uh, you know, we'll get into bed here in a few hours and uh, get on the road to Frisco, Texas. Have full coverage for you out there. Uh, probably going to do some other things that we don't ordinarily do since we're on the road. And I don't know that anybody else is going to be covering but us. So we're going to try to give you exemplary coverage over jeanspage.com. We'll make the most of the content opportunities and uh, get that information up for you as soon as we possibly can each and every day. All right, final segment of the show brought to you as always by Portico. I've told you guys countless times, if I was moving to Starkville now, Portico is where I would want to live. 1.1 miles away from all things Bulldog, what could be better? Close enough for convenience, far enough away for a little privacy. 
You can start with a two-bedroom, two-bath home, go all the way up to a four-bedroom, four-bath home, and anything in between. You need a custom build that can accommodate you. You don't have to have the cookie-cutter housing plan. Reach out to our friend Brooks Bryant at 601-416-8075. And Brooks will give you all the information you need to know. You turn off 82 on a 12 like going to campus. The very first ride is Pat Station Road. Go through that four-way stop. There's Portico right on your right. Apologize for that. Easy to find. And many of you have thought, you know, one day I want to be back in Starkville. I want to make it my full-time residence. This is your chance. Make Portico your next move. All right, Mississippi State men's basketball, getting ready to play an important ball game. And again, I think we're in. But I think a win against Vanderbilt on the road, I think it removes all doubt. No matter what happens in a tournament, I think it removes all doubt. To finish 21-10 and 10 and 9-9 nine and nine in the conference, that would be huge. Absolutely huge for us to do that. And not just, you know, yeah, it's year one, but in any year, that's one of those deals you look at and say, hey, this is a big deal for us. And it is. And again, I'm just so doggone proud of this team. All right, let's real quickly look at the net here. Uh, Mississippi State needs a little help here. And we're 43 in the net. I still think that's good enough. Um, you know, we have the uh, four and seven record against quad one teams, three and two in quad two, and five and one in quad three, and then eight and no in quad four. You, oh, you want that. And you look at Oral Roberts just right ahead of us, 17 of their wins are quad four, right? 0 and 4 against quad one. You know, they're not, you know, unless they win their league, they're not getting in, you know. But, um, but yeah, we need a little help here. And, uh, you know, Vanderbilt, obviously, you know, whenever Vanderbilt helps, you know, any win helps this time of year. You can't absorb that difficult loss. And that's the thing we're fighting against. You know, you, you, you look at some of the teams ahead of us, there are a lot of teams kind of similarly situated with Mississippi State in order to differentiate ourselves. we got to win. Don't give them an excuse not to put you in a tournament. All right, let's take a quick look at this thing uh, as with Vanderbilt. It's going to be uh, an entertaining game, and it is a night game too. So you can watch Bulldog baseball in the afternoon, get you a quick bite to eat, and get ready to watch the Bulldogs play Vanderbilt. Now, Vanderbilt is a much better team than they were a month ago. There's no question about it. And a lot of people are like, you know, I want Jerry Stackhouse to do well. I, I do. I, I want Jerry to do well. You know, maybe it's because of the vanity of my own youth. But I want him to do well. Vanderbilt 17-13 and 13 overall, 10-7 and 7 in the conference. So there's no chance of us catching them. They're going to stay ahead of us and be seated ahead of us in the tournament. 11-5 and 5 at home. And you remember earlier this week, they made a trip to Kentucky and played in Rupp Arena, and they beat Kentucky in Rupp 68-66. Back-to-back wins for them, of course. The, the LSU loss, not good. Not good at all. But this, uh, this, this streak of winning here, you know, they got shelled at Alabama, which capped a three-game losing streak, 101-44. I don't know what changed. I don't know if it was some soul-searching. Because it wasn't because of the fact the schedule got easier. They do beat Ole Miss in Nashville, and, and everybody does. And then they beat Tennessee. You remember that buzzer beater of a three-pointer that everybody was excited about? That sparked them, too. Then they go to Gainesville and win down there in the O'Connell Center, 88-80. to They go to South Carolina and win. No big feat there, but it's still a big win. And then Auburn, a team that's fighting for their NCAA tournament lives, they get them. 
and then they lose at Baton Rouge, and you think, how in the world does this happen? Well, they bounce back from that, and they've won two in a row. They beat Florida again, and then they beat Kentucky in Rupp. And Kentucky, arguably, one of the hottest teams in the conference, if not the country. And so we have got to bring our best effort. There is no ifs, ands, or buts about it. This is a team that is absolutely capable of beating us. If we don't show up there and play our game, we're going to get beat. And we can ill afford to get beat. Again, don't give them any reason not to put you in a dance. And I think there's a lot of people out there pulling for us. But the reality of it is, it's all within our reach. We have to go win this game. We cannot sit around and just kind of wait and hope for something good to happen. So, big news out of the uh, ball game against Kentucky is Liam Roberts was injured. Not exactly sure at this point, and uh, we'll try to find out here. We'll get some quotes if we can. We'll find out together. Uh, Jerry Stackhouse says that he is probably sidelined for the rest of the season. It's an exact quote. It's so disappointing for him. It's a lower leg injury. It's probably going to sideline him for the rest of the season. He gave us all he had. He helped us get into a position that we're in right now. With the outlook going forward, we just got to keep him in our prayers. And so how significant is the loss? Liam Robbins, the leading scorer for Vanderbilt, averaging 15.5 points per game. Played in 25 games, started 14. Uh, you know, again, very efficient what he does. 388 points on the year. They've scored 2,088 as a team. And you're about to remove a guy that's, you know, well over 20% of your scoring. That's significant. We have to take full advantage. I hope he makes a full recovery. Doesn't expect that he will anytime soon. But that is significant. However, even with the injury, Vanderbilt goes on to win the game. So it's not like all of a sudden you look at this and say, well, you know, without him in there, they don't have any semblance of offense. They still won at Rupp Arena. He went down four minutes into the game. It's not like it was late. It was early in the ballgame. He had missed some time this year with an ankle injury. Not exactly sure the full nature of this one, but um, now he's done. You know, appears to be done. And uh, you wish the best for he and his family. But the bottom line is, is that uh, injuries are part of the game. And uh, we wish him a full recovery. We never wish any ill will on any opposing player. But we'll take it, right? We'll take the break, right? And I don't mean that there's no pun intended there. But if he's not going to play, we're not going to apologize for that. I mean, how many times have we played games and, and been missing players too, Right. So hopefully that gives us an advantage. But you better believe Jerry Stackhouse will have a different game plan and have a strategy at home, senior day, final game of the regular season. You know, they feel like they're probably an NCAA tournament too. On the bubble. But, they're you know, they're still fighting for their NCAA tournament lives, and this is a guy that knows what that means as a player. Tyron Lawrence, the second leading scorer, 11.4 points for him. And outside of that, no double-digit scorers. However, they do it by committee. There's a bunch of guys averaging seven, eight, nine points a game. So it'll be interesting. We got to win the game. You know, and, and again, you know, I hope Robbins makes a full recovery. I wish he would be on Monday. I wish he'd be able to play in the SEC tournament next week. But uh, that doesn't appear to be the case. And again, you hate it for the player, but, you know, hey, injuries are part of the game. That's part of the journey of the season. Things kind of move forward. 
you know, that's just how things are. Nobody felt bad for us last year when we lost Landon Sims for the year, or Stone Simmons. Brooks Auger, Parkerson out. Nobody said, oh, let's, you know, let's send Mississippi State a fruit basket. That, that's not how it works. It's all a will to power, man. I mean, every bit of it is about, hey, okay, hey, who has the, the most depth? Injuries just kind of push you back to depth, right? All right, so looking at um, SEC standings, of course, LSU still at the bottom. South Carolina, Ole Miss tied at 3-14. Georgia 6-11. Uh, that loss just still sticks in the Bulldog crawl, doesn't it? And then Florida, Arkansas, Mississippi State are all right there at 8-9. Auburn's 9-8. And, and this is how significant this thing is. You know, Auburn's 9-8. They lose to Alabama. They're going to play Tennessee this weekend without one of their best players. You win here. You pull even with Auburn, even though they would win the tiebreaker. But you want to – Auburn, again, a team that's fighting for their NCAA, NCAA tournament lives. These are our contemporaries. So we finished with a 21-10 and 10 record, and they finished with 19-12. and 12. You got to think that helps us. And then, again, ahead of us, the teams we're not going to catch, Vanderbilt, Missouri, Kentucky, Tennessee, A&M, Alabama. So, again, congratulations to Alabama on winning the regular season NFL championship, even though I don't support anything that's going on right now as it relates to Alabama basketball. I'm sure many of you feel the same way. No disrespect to their talent, but the way this thing has been handled has been atrocious. It's hard to feel any sense of, uh, you know, pride or, you know, respect for how this thing has worked out. And, and, and I think if Alabama comes out as a one seed in the big dance, as they should – I think there's going to be a lot more national media attention on this thing, and I think the pressure actually builds. Not that I think Alabama's going to do anything differently, but the reality of it is is they've handled this thing exceptionally poorly. But all that said, we just need to go beat Vanderbilt. We beat Vanderbilt and then have some things good happen around us. You know, you know, that's the thing you start looking at the schedule and how it all kind of plays out here at the end. Alabama has made this game against Texas A&M essentially meaningless. Of course, Alabama wants to win. A&M wants to win to improve their tournament resume. But it has no impact on the SEC championship race. Georgia's at South Carolina. Yeah, I must want South Carolina to win this thing. It's because of the fact we got a couple wins over South Carolina. Tennessee, of course, uh, will, will travel to Auburn. Bruce Pearl will have the Tigers ready to go. And if you, if you saw his postgame comments that are making the rounds, he, Bruce very upset. So we do expect Auburn to give Tennessee their best shot. Tennessee, one of the more athletic teams in the country. Kentucky looking to bounce back at Arkansas. So you look at this, you're rooting interest here. You want Tennessee to beat Auburn, and you want Kentucky to beat Arkansas. Ole Miss will, will play at Missouri. And, uh, again, you know, that game means nothing to us in many respects. And then LSU will play at Florida. And then, of course, we play at Vanderbilt. So the, t- the games you're watching – Tennessee, Auburn, Kentucky, Arkansas. And we need both of those games to go our way because of the fact that we're all kind of neatly positioned there together at 8-9. You know, I, you know, you'd love to see Florida lose, but they're 15-15, and 15, right? I mean, it's like, you know, you'd love to see LSU win the game just because it gives us a, you know, another rung up in the standings. But, you know, if we win, you know, we'll be in good shape there. But, again, when it comes to SEC tournament seeding, if State and Florida both finish with a 9-9 record – well, they beat us head-to-head, so then, of course, they would be seated higher in the tournament. And so, yeah, you'd like to see LSU. But when you look at the bigger picture, Arkansas, Auburn, Mississippi State all neatly packed right there together 
in the middle of the SEC standings, comparable overall, overall records, fairly comparable in the net. So we need those teams to lose, and we need to win. Again, I think a win wraps things up for us, but uh, it'd be nice to see the traffic kind of clear around us too, right? And again, next week's the SEC tournament. Uh, we'll find out here in a few days, a couple days, where we're seated and who we're going to play. I don't think we need to go win the tournament, but it'd nice be nice for us to make a nice run here. And I don't know that anybody wants to play us. Home, away, or whatever, because we're going to go out there and we're going to get in your jock and we're going to make things a little difficult for you. We're not going to be scared to get out there and defend. So, again, let's just go take care of business against Vanderbilt and, uh, and we'll get back together on Monday and reevaluate where we are. And by that time, we'll know where we're going to play in the tournament. And uh, this time next week, of course, uh, you know, we'll have a pretty good idea of what our baseball team looks like. I think we're going to find out a lot about our team this weekend. Getting away from Starkville, building some esprit de corps, and playing some Power 5 teams, not teams that are really on our level, even though Cal's playing well. You know, many of those teams don't have the same level of tradition with the exception of Oklahoma. But uh, first things first, let's go out there with Gerangelo and let's beat Ohio State, and we'll see how the rest of the weekend goes. And, again, full coverage at jeanspage.com all weekend. Um, looking forward to uh, getting the road with the bride and uh, taking her out to Frisco and uh, meeting up with some friends for dinner Saturday night. Excited about that. And uh, Roy has just informed me that uh, he and his two children will also be headed to Frisco. So if you want to see us, we're going to be there. If you had not done so, go to dogpilebook.com, and you can order all my sports books there. Many of you, like, thinking about Father's Day, thinking about a St. Patrick's Day gift, thinking about Easter gifts, thinking about a Saturday gift, thinking about a gift for yourself, go to dogpilebook.com. You get Flim Flam Alpha Dogs, Stark Villains, and, of course, Dogpile there. If you're looking for Blooms of Oleander, and maybe you should be. Maybe you're in the doghouse. Maybe you need to you know, do something sweet for your wife. You can get that at Amazon.com, BarnesNoble.com, BooksAmillion.com, and through your local bookstore. Stark Villains gear always available at StarkVillains.com. And if you're not a member of our wonderful community at JeansPage.com, come be a part of that. People always ask me, Steve, how can we support you? Well, you can buy books, you can buy shirts, you can join JeansPage.com. I'd love it if you did all three, but if you only pick one of those, I would say pick JeansPage.com. We want to sell as many books as we can. Uh, we'll sell as many shirts as we can, but uh, we'd love for you to be a part of our business. And uh, some big news, too, come. I've got some other business venture we're working on, too. We'll have some news on that sooner rather than later. But listen, that's it for today, man. You guys enjoy your weekend and think of us. We travel this weekend. Can't wait to see all you Texas dogs out there in Frisco. Uh, be sure to come up and say hello and uh, be happy to shake a hand with another bulldog. Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live.